DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL and it has a week five offer for every football fan you need to jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either of their teams scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, see? So I'd say this is a no-brainer. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. They're the bee's knees. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win, see? DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your coins whenever you want. That's cash, I mean. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Got to be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It's always one or the other. It's like we've won three games in a row and we're going to the Super Bowl and we lost a game to the Ravens. And we're like, okay, who are the, who are the good quarterbacks in this year's draft? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, that, that really yeah. is true. Welcome to That's Good Broncos podcast. Special guest joining us. I think it'll be down below. It might be up below. I forget what my template is. You do down, I'll do up. Just, okay, just there we go. Dave Damashek. No, oh, what's happening, fellas? Known Steelers fan. We're gonna get an inside look at the Steelers today. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Um, you've got a few podcasts. I think you should promote them right now before a bunch of people stop watching uh, the show. <laughs> I want you because of my uh, upcoming words and uh, critiques of my no, team, your yeah. team. Otherwise, yeah. Will and I audience retention. We haven't mastered that yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I have no charisma to contribute here, so oh, man, I guess we're kind of stuck. Stop yes, watching. I do, I do the minus three podcast twice a week, and I do the extra points podcast twice a week. I encourage you, nay, demand that you uh, go and pre- uh, prescribe, subscribe to both, please. Um, <laughs> as soon as you finish listening to, to this, both yes. are uh, both are good times. I, Will yeah. and I highly recommend. I wanted to ask you, like, how are those going, like? Because you went from the NFL Network to doing your own thing. And we've been like, I've been living on the flip side of that, where I've been doing my own thing forever, trying to aspire to do bigger things. But now it feels like doing podcasts and YouTube is the thing to just keep doing. Are you finding that um, it has, I don't know, freed you up to kind of talk about football more the way you want to or... I don't know. I was just curious to your thoughts on, on making that switch. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really bang my head on the ceiling too much about being critical of teams and, and getting pushback from, from the league. I did. I mean, I will say Mickey Loomis did uh, once call one of my bosses to say, cause I was doing something called the shame report at the time. And, uh, yeah. and I said, shame, but it was always ironic. It wasn't like, I was like, that team stinks. Shame on them for stinking. It was more in the line of like, 
hey, Russell Wilson isn't six feet tall and he's still good. And that takes away an excuse that I have that I'm just not big enough to be in the NFL. And he's showing <laughs> off by disproving that. And, and he's a jerk for doing that. Shame on you, Russell Wilson. Nevertheless, Mickey Loomis did uh, did not like me saying shame. He said, well, I, I don't understand saying shame on pro football players. I mean, I, so anyway, the irony was lost on him. But outside of that, no, I never really got a whole lot of pushback. I'm not, uh, I don't work blue that much, really, you know, at the end of the day. I don't work blue enough to get in trouble generally. But yes, it's bad. But to answer your question, it's going great. You know, it's a, awesome. it's lots of fun. Get my, I, I get to deal with my pals, uh, one of whom is Cousin Sal, yeah. who's running the ship. You probably know Cousin Sal from making his picks on Fox Sports and uh, yeah. on the Kimmel Show and all of that. And uh, Kevin Hench and a bunch of other uh, good, fun people. So, yes, it's been uh, delightful as far as that goes. I went awesome. back and I listened to the Minus Three podcast from Friday. And it was a great show. It's a great show. However, you briefly did your favorite LaCroix flavors, the Win Play Show. Yeah. I, got and one I right love LaCroix. Well, it's not a LaCroix. I got a generic one. But yeah, <laughs> generic, got it the generic one. I actually got a, a bubbly here on my. So I'm I saying. You, I know what you're going to go into, but right out of the gate, bubbly, I don't want to lose any sponsors for you. But if you put up yeah. a strong enough fight, maybe that will earn you one from bubbly. <laughs> Too much flavor. Generally okay. speaking, with the bubblies, you know, I like I like I like a nice lean flavor mm. with my seltzer. That's uh, that's one of the reasons I favor it over your uh, your traditional can yeah. fare. I gotta agree yeah. with that. I'm, I'm drinking a robust uh, red over here, and you like it a little lean. That's okay. Um, I, I yeah, I like I like to go a little light on the flavor. You see, because uh, because you I'm like to drink about her. ten at a time. I but I but I, I do. What do you think of pomplemousse? That's where I'm sticking oh. my neck out a little bit. Yeah, that, can go. that's where we uh, that's where we part ways. I'm a big <laughs> fan. I like lime, but even better, key lime. That's number one for me. And I didn't hear any mention of key lime, so I'm a little disappointed. My wife's a big uh-huh. fan of the pomplemousse, so I got to support pomplemousse for sure. That's excellent. I like the sound of that. I'll I'll say that. Um, Key lime, as in general, I, I'm resentful towards. I don't know why that is, you know, it's not like a restaurant just has infinite options with the desserts that they can throw out there. So I, I'm i upset when it's like, hey, among our three or five desserts, one of them is key lime pie. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. What, what kind of restaurant are you trying to run here? You've made a like, poor decision. How's that going to outsell chocolate lava cake? You know? There you go. That's right. Or even just yeah, any, yeah. like any other kind of pie, apple, banana cream. Those are the only two pies. Cherry. Well, I could go, we, we could go on and on. We could do a whole, by the way, you know, pomplemousse is grapefruit and grapefruit is uh, a fruit that I have, uh, I've gone at great length about in the past. Oh, I think I responded to one of your tweets about grapefruit because I got into grapefruit this last year. Did you really? Yeah. I never ate it. And then I had a really good one and then I had another really good one and then I had a bad one. And I go, Oh, you got to find the perfectly ripe grapefruits. And then I started making like whiskey drinks with them. So Hmm. I'm a grapefruit supporter actually. And I think your argument was you can't trust a fruit that you have to put sugar on. (laughs) Well, I mean, how good is it? Yeah. I like like when people want to fight me about grapefruit and I'm like, you put sugar on it. Yeah. (laughs) I, I can put sugar on a lot of things and make it taste good. It's sort of like, 
that the the number one culprit with this is lobster. Lobster gets all this credit. People will pay whatever the fancy restaurant asks you to pay for just for the pleasure of of eating that sweet meat. But never would they ever put a lobster out there without the drawn butter, aka the true star. Drawn butter, yeah, lobster. Yeah. Oh, we put it in the draw in the drawn butter. Dip. You know what else tastes good when you dip it in drawn butter? Everything else. Put a put a cheeseburger in that butter and yes. watch somebody's mind explode. People are right. too and then resent and then you get resentful for all the money you've wasted on lobster over yeah. the years. <clears throat> butter They're too painful to just drink drawn butter. And and <laughs> thus we had to we had to dive into the ocean to justify it. Yeah, they need to serve like little made. shooters of the butter alongside with the, the lobster. Yeah, a little shot we won't know really until we try. Maybe a maybe a forward thinking thinking restaurateur will listen to us today and say like I'll see how many people are interested in just the drawn butter straight. And maybe people that will become a thing and we'll have invented this today. Man, well, this, just, this show is just about creating new things. I did want to talk about some controversy that happened here in uh, Bronco's country. Just this last week, hot topic, mm. Vic Fangio versus John Harbaugh. Uh, Dave has an interesting take that I think Broncos fans will appreciate. I said, I liked the Harbaugh call. Like, I think that's the kind of thing a coach does for his team that keeps his team excited playing for him. Kind of the opposite of anything urban Myers done the last couple of weeks, but you're on Vic Fangio's side here. Well, uh, yes. With the, with this asterisk, I agree philosophically with you. It's, that's fine. And all the all the tough guys out there who say, you don't like it, stop it. <laughs> the issue is that Harbaugh had his cake, hot lava cake or otherwise, and ate it too by getting to be that tough guy and continuing this thing. And that's what the Ravens are about, you know, running the ball and all that. Great. Then, then you should. You have every right to do that. The wisdom of doing it, when your offensive line and your run game is banged up, that, you know, that's that's a, a questionable call. Except here's how he had it both ways, Harbaugh. If you watch both sides of the line of scrimmage on the play, the players are kind of like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, I, even after the play ends, they're kind of like, does that count? Were we, just were we really running a play there? He just kind of snapped the ball and he runs for it. It was like a half-assed play. And... So Fangio, I think, is is rightly pissed because, you know, uh, who's to say that, like, okay, you want to get this? Then we will try to stop you. Th- that's the issue. The Broncos weren't in a position to try and stop it because they're like, wait, what the hell are we doing right now? Right. Like, uh, you can tell by their their literal body position. They're upright. Like, oh, maybe Fangio, like, oh, you're going to line up and do this, Harbaugh? All right, then we too shall line up. Yeah. And we shall try to smack the ball carrier as hard as we possibly can. That's a great point that I didn't think of because I was, I was too uh, focused on other mistakes that had happened in the game. But mm. if we could go back and redo that play and let the Broncos call a real defensive play to stop it, I think there's a good chance the Ravens don't pick up three yards there because the one thing the Broncos did well all day was contain the run. Yes, the, the Ravens eventually got the 100, but it took them a while to get there. So... I think that's, I mean, that's right. Point. And I think the ra- a big issue as we connect the Broncos last foe with their upcoming foe <laughs> yeah. two, three weeks ago, 
Deontay Johnson of the Steelers gets hurt on a meaningless last play of the game and then misses yeah. the following game. You know, it wouldn't well, it be can't happen. I get that. I, I get that the Charm City football fans find it charming. Like, ah, you should have stopped us then, Broncos, if you don't want it to happen to you. Um, if they do line up and anybody from the the Ravens gets dinged, then um, it it would not be cute stuff at all. Yeah, because he had to do because Harbaugh ins- insisted on doing. It. I get the spirit of it. I'm all for Harbaugh doing it, but. Under these circumstances, as as wrecked as the O line is specifically, it really is kind of like, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, the players, Lamar Jackson, you know, he wasn't, he had the the fourth down play against the Chiefs where he's like, oh yeah, we got to go for it. It's not like Lamar Jackson came up to him on the sideline. We got to get that record. It was it was Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, whatever. And it, it's just a vanity play. And I, I am a keeper of the unwritten rules. I love the unwritten rules so much that I think we should actually write them down and make them official rules. <laughs> and uh, it, offended, it, it offended my sensibilities. I know Brandon was okay with it, but it, it took me some time. I wept um, in my room quietly. I hear after. Perna because I, you, you, I know Perna is a sincere fan because when people get swept up in that kind of thing, like that last play of the game stuff, it's like, who gives a crap? I, I only have so much spirit and energy to give. Yeah. I, I can't lament that play. I'm more upset about the uh, about the plays when the game was still in ba- in the balance that uh, that have me upset. Not that jive at the end of it. I'm I'm tired. I, I completely get where you're coming from on that one, Perna. Yeah, it's I, I harped on Albert O dropping this pass in the game that really hurt the Broncos. And when you think about the Broncos and Steelers right now, they're very, very similar. Two good defenses. I, I assume the Steelers' defense is still good. Uh, I know it's been a little dicey when Watt got hurt. Question marks at the quarterback position. Uh, the Broncos, when Teddy's healthy, he's he's good, but you know he's go- going through concussion protocol this week. Might be Drew Locke, might be Teddy. We don't know yet. And we've got a bunch of talent at the receiver positions. Everybody keeps telling us how talented they are, and it's just we can't put together big games with them. And last year, the Steelers suffered from a lot of drops. This year, the Broncos have had some key drops. It hasn't cost the Broncos until this last week because they played bad teams. And question marks, I would say, on the uh, line, the offensive line now for Denver after some injuries. So these are very similar teams with just reverse records, one and three, three and one based on who they've played. So I need to know how bad the Steelers really are. So when I do my prediction episode this week, I know which angle to lean into. Because <laughs> they're a mystery to me. The final score probably comes down somewhere in the range of like five to three or maybe three to two or something like that. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't anticipate a ton of offense in Heinz Field on Sunday. Um, yeah, the... Uh, in broad strokes, and in fact, this connects, you, you You compare the two franchises. I think the best comp, at least the optimists through from January till September in Pittsburgh, the, the, the uh, architects of the team, Kevin Colbert on down, probably eyeballed the 2015 Broncos formula that got him a Lombardi trophy yeah. and said, Let, let's try to replicate that. They have a quarterback who, you know, Hall of Fame, all that kind of stuff, but ain't what it used to be. But you can ride the defense. 
you you get you can bang a, bang away on the ground. You have some talented playmakers uh, for the QB to feed, and obviously, like we say, they wound up winning the Lombardi doing it that way. This Steelers team has been undone more than anything. The offensive line has been an atrocity. I will say it's getting a little bit better. It's getting a little, as you could tell. Next like, time, I I think the premise was more specifically with the Steelers this year was this offensive line is a misery because it's so young, but we think that it'll round into shape. In the meantime, the defense has to carry us. The football gods saw fit to um, think otherwise. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that they lost at home um, to two teams that they probably should beat the Raiders, even with their hot start. They should have, they, they probably, I would say would win at least one of those two games against the Raiders. And then the Bengals, if they have a healthy TJ Watt, if Stefan Tewitt had been available, uh, Joe Hayden missed one of those games. So, you know, Pete, we, we all fall prey to the same thing of, of like looking at another team more so than our own and saying like, what's up with that defense? Shouldn't they be great? Like, just because they're wearing the the same logo on the side of their hat as yeah. the would-be starters doesn't mean they perform at that level. It's nice to say next man up and standard remains the standard, but those are sayings. Those aren't actually applicable yeah. to any physical deeds that the, the individuals are capable of pulling off out there. So anyway, I think the defense has been undone by some injuries. It's getting a little bit closer to healthy. You would hope from a Pittsburgh side of things. Um, and the offensive line has gotten better, but, you know, Roethlisberger, it specifically in the Green Bay game, was the liability. You couldn't point at the offensive line or really much of anything else. I mean, the blown field goal block that went for a touchdown, maybe that changes the second half radically, and the Steelers somehow right. pulled that one off like they did in uh, in Buffalo in week one. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Roethlisberger just flat out missed throws that a pro-level QB must hit for his team to win with any consistency. And um, so far he hasn't. Does he? Does that turn around this week? Difficult to say. I mean, I, I, I mean, you're you're guessing. Uh, all the cynics say no, it's over for him. Clearly, I have a hunch. Maybe it's 18 years worth of uh, positive um, results for the most part. But uh, I, I, I do think that there is a short term rise for for Roethlisberger. I do think he has a shot at uh, putting together a couple of nice games here against the Broncos and the Seahawks. Let's just hope it's one week out. One week away from that. Uh, you brought up another point that I wanted to ask before I forget. And the Steelers were screwed by a, a bad call in that game. It's a great special teams play. And Will and I have talked about this a handful of times already this season. Is NFL officiating as bad as it appears to be? Or do we kind of just forget every offseason that NFL officiating feels really bad through the first half of the season. Like I started looking, I was doing, I'm doing a video on the lions and how many times they have been just ruined by bad calls. And I started to realize like going back through my channel, it's like, I'm making videos about bad officiating every year and sort of forgetting it. Um, what's your take on the level of officiating right now? It sucks, but it always sucks. You know, they, this, 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 the, the idea that we're supposed to, we're supposed to find the human error, like, hey, part of the sport, whatever sport you're talking about, like, hey, just the same as a goalie can fan on a on a shot from the blue line, so too can an official. 
Yeah, but one is correctable. One is imminently <laughs> fixable. The other one is not. So yeah. uh, um, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think it's HD TV. I think more of us diehards watch on TV than go to the stadiums. Maybe that is uh, uh, why we perceive it a little bit more that we're not at the games as much and we're not uh, we're not, um, you know, four to 11 beers in when we see the play on our TV. I, I, I don't know. But I, I mean, yeah, HDification of things has um, has really made it much clearer. And also the um, it, I I don't know if you guys do this, but I'm, I know it makes me a nerd, but I love watching old games on yeah. YouTube and otherwise. And I don't mean like three years old. I mean, like I go back to 1979. I watched this past summer the divisional round game um, in uh, a mile high when uh, when the Bronx beat the Steelers Ooh. to get to the AFC title game. I love watching those, but you, it'll make you crazy how often – the ball, like you see the ball hit the ground on replay and they're just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? Like, you know, the, the, the broadcasters just like bake it into the result. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah that, that ball hit the ground there. Like, oh, I mean, oh, you can see now in replay, his foot was clearly, one of the feet was clearly out of bounds. Like, all right, third down. Like, what? what? I mean, what, 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 we got to stop this. Wait, no, you can't do it. Now, though, with, it's not just the HD. It's the ability to communicate, and I know we had cell phones before uh, five years ago, but for real now, the NHL was the trailblazer with this. Like, get it out of the stadium because those human beings are susceptible to the cheers and the boos and otherwise from the tens of thousands of gathered people. They vend it out to New York or Toronto or wherever you want to do it. And the most vexing thing of all is how long it takes. Don't – we, we, we like we, we just accept like, hey, they have to they have to meditate on this for like six minutes. They have to like we have to just stop and like look at it and the cutaways to that. Let's look at it again. It's like we knew the result 17 seconds after the play. Completed. Yeah. Like you show one replay like, oh, obviously the ball hit the ground. So, OK, let's go. Why is it not that fast? Why is it not like uh, like uh, completed pass? And then it should be like boop, 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 up incomplete pass okay we're gonna go back like it should be that fat like yeah, why no, isn't there somebody in new york or otherwise like no 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 freddie you got that one wrong no, that's it that that isn't complete. okay but i'm being told okay back it up like that should be the end of it no one would no one would be bothered by that but this uh this uh, this obtuse like uh, they need more angles it makes me uh, the whole thing is crazy it's- it is sorry brandon go ahead no, go, go for it will i was gonna say it is really jarring because I watch a lot of old games too. And I did watch uh, just this last off season. So my dad was at that 1977 divisional round game with all the, the Tom Jackson interceptions. But um, watching those old games, it's so jarring when even back in the 70s, they could go back and replay a, a play five times. Like, you know, for not to pick on you, but like the Mike Renfro touchdown. And it's like, we can watch that replay five times, but the refs can't. And they had replay, and then they took it away. And if you go to that Packers 49ers game where Terrell Owens catches the game-winning pass, Jerry Rice fumbles on that drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had replay, and they're like, no, we don't need this. And it totally changes the outcome of the season. It, it's just it, – it's unbelievable. That's – that you're, that I, I said the most vexing. I, I need to take that back because there are several elements that it's hard to choose the worst of them all. You're exactly right that – even with replay, they still get it wrong. That that is the looniest yeah. part of all. And, that, and the like. Yeah. Unfortunately, 
Well, now we know that like that they were the Steelers weren't offside on that field goal block. Um, but like can't go can't review everything. Like and it's who? What are you talking about? We can't review. Why? Who decided that part? Like, well, then it would take too long. Not under my, not under the way I look at it. Like, it should be fast. And who? That's the looniest part of all. See, I'm not now of all. They're all terrible elements yeah. of it. But, but really, like that. It's not that, that there is. It just isn't stated loudly. No, we're if we're going to review anything, we're going to review all of it. And then they get distracted by jive, like. Um, uh, taunting and and oh, the yeah. taunting thing which is now dying down we only got one this past week and probably it will stop being called i mean we're shame the devil if a game ever swings on it yeah for a forward. spike that was the spiked ball by waller on the sideline right it was like a refresher for the league we didn't get one we hey right oh, we got to do one now. in tonight but yeah i really do think that if i mean for real like think if your boss told you to do anything like, hey, keep an eye out for this. Well, then you're obviously going to be incented to call that. You're not going to see something that's yeah. borderline and let it go because, yeah. oh, uh, old man Jones told me to call to call that if I see it. So, of course, you're going to be looking for it. And if you see anything closer, like, I'm going to curry favor with the boss, man, and throw a flag. Like, the, why yeah. are you dealing with that? You can't get the basic rules right. Now you're worrying about taunting with the – that octogenarians are, are evaluating whether or not that was directed at a foe oh, or was a, a, a move of celebration that was not involving the, I mean, it's all just so dumb. The, the cherry on that key lime pie was, Ooh, what a callback. The cherry on that was when the Monday night football broadcast crew <laughs> tried to explain why emphasizing taunting isn't an old man rule. <laughs> like they literally tried <laughs> to dispel it by saying, look, kids, this isn't just something the old guys want. I think they said like Kyle Shanahan was, was supportive of it or something like, okay, you know, you got a problem if you're trying to get this message out like that. Yeah. Well, issue, mean, because, because uh, head coaches, head coaches, if they're under a certain age, they, they define hip and now, you know, <laughs> don't they? I mean, like, <laughs> well, I don't care. I don't care. He's, yeah. he, he's a pro football head coach. Like, I, I don't. His age is irrelevant to me. It's, he's not going to define. Yeah, what's they're all trendy sixty years old. They're all sixty years old at heart. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And before we go on, the the last thing about with like officiating is when a call is wrong, you have video access to that, not through like the game, but on Twitter, through every social platform, where millions of people can see the bad call, whereas. Like before social media, it was in the game and maybe you were lucky enough to see a highlight of it on ESPN. So now it's under a microscope all the time and everybody's got a clip available for it right away. And it just probably seems it's always probably been bad. Right. But now you can see almost 20 bad calls this week alone. Like, oh, dang, they got to. That's what makes it much more painful is the irony of everybody on planet earth knows the truth except for the only person who could who who has any say in in what happens next right that is that is loco okay so what what do you have will where do you want it to go next yeah so we already started with the big ben conversation and And um, we started with pomplemousse yes we started with pomplemousse we worked our way to the big ben you know it's a natural progression um so we 
you Are know, you calling I him a grapefruit face because that's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could call him a key lime pie face, but there that's not very nice either. Um, eventually, and I'm not saying this season, eventually the Steelers will move on, most likely after this season. There was the Aaron Rodgers talk last Sunday. There is, you know, Russell Wilson potentially out there. And I know you've talked about this, your quarterback carousel. There's a ton of rookies too. And, and like you've said, a few of them will be first rounders as always. Give me your preferred replacement for Ben Roethlisberger and the most likely replacement. I mean, I, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, I was I was in and not like a some I'm some seer to have said that I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be great in 2010. Obviously, he was well on his way, and they held on to him during the Brett Favre um, melodrama and all that um, when that was going down, and you know first round draft pick and everything. But I did say in 2010, for what it's worth, early in that season, he will retire as the greatest quarterback of all time. Now Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and all the Lombardis maybe got in the way of that, but. I think the spirit of that it, it still kind of holds up that, you know, he up until the arrival of Patrick Mahomes, at least was doing things. It was like, man, I've never seen a QB make some of those throws yeah. to the total package and otherwise. Um, so Aaron Rodgers would be great in Pittsburgh. I also don't love as a, I, I know the Broncos are a proud franchise and everything. And I don't love the mercenary element of like a, a, an old guy who's achieved great things elsewhere, like being the savior for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, I know that's curmudgeonly and we're deep Ooh. into the free agency years. I don't love how that hits my ear. Like he came back and did one great year, but like, I, I would be cool though. I, I, I get it. I do think the larger point is that over the last half decade or so, or maybe starting with Peyton, it opened up the possibilities of QBs moving around. Like you just didn't see that very much. They were, they were washed when they started the move, Johnny Unitas and yeah. um, more recent examples than that. Um, Joe Namath and, you know, those are probably the two, but, but Peyton maybe did start the trend of you can, or maybe it was Brett Favre, whoever is responsible for it. Yes. Now in the 21st century, you can bounce around. I think Russell Wilson is playing his last season in Seattle. I think Aaron Rodgers could go to Denver and make that make, make you guys the favorite or among the favorites in the AFC. I think they would have been um, this year if you would have gotten him. I'm still surprised that didn't happen, and I'm still curious why the Broncos I, – I, I still have to think that they thought they were getting Rodgers because it makes no sense that they didn't take Justin Fields. There, it, 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 unless – there was some, unless one of their scouts was like, here's what I know about Justin Fields, and this is why we definitely can't take it. makes no sense on face, except that you could say, but it was such a slow burn. Like on draft night, it was like, oh, well, they're not going to take a QB because they're getting Aaron Rodgers. And then yeah. weeks turned into months, and it was like, yep. I guess the Broncos just aren't getting anybody. It's like Teddy B or Drew Locke. Um, I, I, I'd love to see – my idea is – that the Steelers should offer a second round, maybe a third rounder and see if they can do it and help the Packers out from under their current melodrama and say, give us uh, Jordan love. Then Aaron Rodgers feels happy. Mm. Like, see, we made things right, Aaron. You didn't like that. And, and now we made him go away. Now stay with us for the next two or three years, please. Um, now I had Jason Luck and four on the show earlier this week. And he said, 
I just don't think that's going to uh, that's going to resolve itself, which is good news for you, unless it's bad news for you, because Rodgers could also go to Vegas. And then that would really do. <laughs> Imagine if the Broncos are in a division with <laughs> against Rodgers and Herbert and uh, and Mahomes. Um, yeah. But then Luck and Forrest said, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right about Russell Wilson. And then maybe he goes to Seattle. Rodgers. Anyway, the carousel is going to spin. In the meantime, we talk about amnesia and like year to year, you forget that it was bad. Like the amnesia everybody suffers from every time in college football season, early-ish on, like four or five games in, the, the, the pundits announce like, I just don't see anybody worth a first round pick in this QB class. It happens every year. Now there's one guy like Trevor Lawrence. If you have a once in a five year period, like, like, well, he'll go, but after Trevor Lawrence, I, I don't know. I don't know. Joseph Fields didn't look good against Indiana the other day. I don't know if there's any QB, but jump to Trey Lance, three, Zach Wilson, two people moving up, Mac Jones and Joe, all that. That happens every year. And maybe there isn't a Trevor Lawrence in this group, but spoiler alert, there will be, two to five quarterbacks taken in the first round, just as there are all the time, because yeah. the, the, the operation now in high school, in junior high and high school and the college offenses now all, you know, accelerate what a quarterback can do. You, I wasn't that long ago. I was in my lifetime. I remember like, Oh, they drafted him. Good. He'll be good in three or four years when we, uh, when we finally <laughs> put him in as our starter, like that's just not the way it operates anymore. So uh, from that gang that's out there like i like matt how matt corral looks i guess because he, he he runs well and has a big arm and the, those two things lend themselves to pro football these days so i guess I'll, I'll say matt corral because the sweet spot is of course a good quarterback on his rookie deal so you can uh, address all yeah. the luxury items on the roster that you want to go and get um, that's why Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick and the Seahawks and Niners were great for those four years because that's exactly the way they were able to succeed. They had two high-end quarterbacks, but both making um, relative peanuts, and they yeah. were loaded rosters otherwise. And I, I think one thing that I've learned from this year, especially watching Trevor Lawrence on the Jags, Zach Wilson uh, with the Jets, Justin Fields with, with Matt Nagy and the Bears – it's so important to get a rookie quarterback on a good team. And we see it with Lamar Jackson too. So I think the Steelers, obviously they're, you can say it like they're an offensive lineman away. They're a quarterback away. They're a good team. Good they're organization. A good good team. quarterback play. They're a great organization. One of the you know top four or five in the league. I think a, a rookie quarterback in the, in the 15 to twenties is like, that's Ben Roethlisberger all over again. I completely doable too. the hand wringing. Like it's that people just don't pay attention. It's I, I guess people are stuck in their brain. Again, amnesia, like we talk about is uh, the idea, like who's a Dave. Yay. Bradshaw after he retired against dude, it was a long wait till we got the Roethlisberger. Everybody forget about that. Bobby Bristol was no good. And, and Mark Malone and all them days was in Cordell. Dude, we had to wait a long time till, uh, till we got a QB. Like, yeah, but it's the good news is it's not 1987 anymore. It's, uh, and you're it, in the AFC Championship like every other year with uh, Cordell Stewart and uh, Neil O'Donnell and whoever, basically. Yeah. They made it work a few times. Precisely. Plus, you got the, you know, the Browns are going to – 
in all likelihood, unless things really go south, gonna they're going to sign Baker Mayfield. That's probably not ultimately good. He's a middle-class QB, but they'll keep him. And the the Ravens, you know, are going to keep Lamar Jackson for 40-plus million. And, you know, so far I've been wrong about him this year. It isn't that I, I, I don't uh, acknowledge his individual greatness, but, man, there, it's diminishing returns with the pass catchers and the offensive line is garbage. I mean, so far, so good. I, I'm waiting for that team to come back to earth in terms of record a little bit. I don't think they're that good. Um, the Ravens? The Ravens. I, I just I, – I know uh, against you guys, he, he specifically was really good last week. Um, I just don't – I don't know that it's sustainable – if uh, again, you know, there, there are probably five or six human beings who you can pay like 40 plus million dollars and, and, and have a good solid roster all the way around him. I don't think that that's going to be true for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore or Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Once they sign those big deals and consume a greater percentage of the, of the, uh, of the cap. Do you think it helps the Ravens since Lamar's negotiating his own contract? Do you think, there's any chance they get a better deal because of that? I don't know how that works. Like I'm not, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would no. be terrible. I'm always like, um, I like, I'd like you to maybe give me this much. Just, I mean, like, I'm scared signing. I can see like, why you wouldn't deals. want to though, because I see, like, I I know what I did. Like, I I so I I remember what happened in Vegas in week one when I fumbled the game away. So like, I <laughs> I get it if you have to knock a couple million off for that. And I I remember how I played in the playoff game. Like, yeah, that wasn't good. Probably should knock another forty. That's how I would approach things as a self-doubting loser. But yeah. I don't. It, I don't know. I, I I have no idea. No, nobody involves me in the in the big budget negotiations. If Lamar Jackson's a savvy negotiator, I guess I guess I could uh, work out well. Or maybe they try to get one over on him. But I guess if you're the Rams, it's an interesting thing. I hadn't really considered it. Now that you're now now that you asked it, though, it would be bad if the Ravens pulled one over on Lamar because it's not like that'll just sit in a vacuum forever. People will right. learn the terms of the contract and then they'll be like, Hey, Lamar, they screwed you, man. And then that will be bad. So like the, the, for their own sake, the Ravens kind of need to give them a, a good fair deal or else yeah. then Lamar will be PO and that's not good. And uh, you brought up Baker Mayfield and the Browns and it kind of harkens back to a couple situations like Alex Smith with the chiefs. And then, I think if the Browns don't learn from the Jared Goff contract with the Rams, I think they're crazy because they are top to bottom and they have a middle-class quarterback. You're totally right. A guy you can win with and and win a playoff game or two with. uh, I don't even know if they can get to the Super Bowl, but the ceiling is like Matthew Stafford level Rams for them with the right quarterback. The ceiling right now is probably – about where they were last year, maybe a little bit more. I I think they would be crazy to repeat the same exact mistake. And of course you can get off of a contract, but if the Rams had, you know, if they had just not, if they had pulled the plug a little bit earlier, and I think that's what Sean McVay really wanted to do, but no one's really done it before. And I think if they, if Kevin yep. Stefanski or whoever the GM is, is bold enough to become the first to have you know, a serviceable quarterback and say, nope, we're not giving you a contract. We want better. I think that's, that's really going to do wonders. Aaron Rodgers to the Browns heard it here first. 
That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a fun one. I mean, listen, if Russell Wilson moves also, there are other names that are middle-class QBs that, you know, they pro uh, Danny dimes is a, for instance, has, has played mostly pretty well this season. Yeah. I, if, but if things, the, the purgatory, I guess you don't want is for them to, you know, wind up with like eight wins. It's like, well, look, we're building something still with Danny Dimes and Gettleman keeps his gig. And then he drafted Dimes. So he's incented to keep him and make that work. You want it to go like real south so that it's like, we got to, we got to move on from this. But then of course, like you mentioned, what we associate with good franchises is stability. And, um, and so if you get to like the giants are veering in that direction of like, they just keep turning things over too often. So that balance, but, but anyway, but dimes is like a guy who, you know, we could make a case is a decent starter for you next year. If you went and got him, but he'll be out there probably um, off the top of my head. I can't think of all the names that are like, or their deals going to be up and decisions will have to be made about that. Teddy Bridgewater, probably. <laughs> Teddy that's why it's why i didn't love the teddy signing and i've always rooted for bridgewater and i was like i think this team if they're not drafting a qb in the draft which they didn't you need to just either tank with drew lock or see if he turns into who you thought he was going to be so i didn't even like when they started teddy but then you win a couple games with him and you're like okay now all I'm thinking about is getting to the playoffs, which I think they can do with Teddy, which negates what I said in the offseason is like, then you're just stuck with a quarterback who might be able to get you to the playoffs, might not. And you're in this weird spot where you can never really draft the, the top tier replacement or maybe like just if Will, what Will saying is true, like you're in the middle there and you do find a, a good rookie QB and you bring him into a good team. It is purgatory. And it's definitely what it's felt like being a Broncos fan since Manning left. And that really changed the Broncos future because they won the Super Bowl with him in his final season, even though he wasn't great. So they're not in a good position to draft his replacement right away. You have Trevor Simeon in there and then you go after Paxton Lynch. So the Steelers, it might be in their best interest for Ben to officially be washed, just say he's bad and they finish as one of the worst teams in the league, because then they're in a prime position to get their next guy. If they don't, they're rightly at this point, in my opinion, and talk to me after the Broncos game, but they're rightly, I mean, Urban Meyer is loco when he's like, Hey, we're only a game out in that division. That division is <laughs> abject garbage. I said it all yeah. the time that the 2021 AFC South would be the 2020 NFC East of pro football. And that's where it's headed. I'm, I, by the way, I think it'd be super funny if the Jags beat the Titans this week, because then oh, that division awesome. is, is, is the biggest joke, even more so than last year's East or the NFC West that was won with, you know, seven wins, whenever that was. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I hear you, but if I, I kind of get, where the 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 rhetoric that Tomlin and everybody is spitting right now, like if we win two games before the bye, then come out and beat the Browns. Unlikely these things, a three game win streak. But if they do that, then they are in the, in the mix, yeah. rightly. And if they don't do that, look at the rest of their schedule. Once they get through the like their last like six weeks or so are under the best of circumstances. You're like, boy, they better be like dominant if they're going to even go 500 they're going to wind up with a lousy record if they don't 
reel off a few coming up here. They're doomed to have a, a an awful record. Um, no matter what, I hear you about Teddy B though, because I always think about like, on one hand, it's so dispiriting. It's why I also said like Roethlisberger had them over the barrel. They had to pay him if he's coming back. If he's right. not going to retire, they 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 are going to lose that twenty million. So you roll with him because you can't say. Well, we cut him and we're going with Mason Rudolph instead because say that, go say that to Cam Hayward's face. Like, I'm in my 11th year. You're the season starting with Mason Rudolph? Like, right. no, I don't want, no, I don't think I'll show this year then. If that's where you're, if you're a Broncos fan or if you're a team and you're like, Teddy B's our QB, you know, you're not winning the Super Bowl. You know, right now that you're not going to win what? the Super Bowl. That's, let's, let's, have, uh, let's, let's, let's have a frank conversation. But, <laughs> You didn't come into the season thinking you had any shot at the Super Bowl. So I try to count, I try to counsel fans in this way all the time. You everything doesn't have to turn into a dynasty for it to be worthwhile. You got the 2015 Lombardi. That was nice. And so maybe for the next half decade, you scuffled a bit. I think every Broncos fan would make that trade still, right? Nobody's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I would give it back. I think Milwaukee Bucks fans. That Eastern Conference is a mess. You know, I the idea that Giannis should now be, they should win another title, or it's like, no, nah, a little unsat. No, you can win one title once every 25 years, and that should keep most fan bases warm. Um, what you don't want is like we talk about the purgatory to talk about the Western Conference in the NBA with the Denver Nuggets specifically. They were in that weird purgatory of like, they're never going to beat the Lakers. Like they're not going to, they're not going to win four out of seven against the the Showtime Lakers, but they're not bad enough to ever get a great player. So what, so what are they doing then? Really? You know, it's a, that uh, my point is I don't have a point, um, <laughs> but, but I see, I see the, the, the mind games that it, it, it plays yeah. on you. I guess the bottom line is you, you kind of don't want to be a Yankees fan and not just because they lost to the Red Sox in the one game playoff, but because if you're, if the premise is like, well, we better win it every year, then like, well, that's not fun at all. That, that, yeah. that wouldn't be fun to be rooting for that team. I've been a Penguins fan for the last, you know, for since Sidney Crosby got there, you know, every time it's like they lost, they lost a playoff series. How dare they disappointment? You know, the, you know, it's like Derrick Henry in high school getting tackled even once like <laughs> underachievement. You got yeah. tackled by somebody right. like my size? Well, that's right. that's unacceptable. Yeah, I you think... lost me a little bit on the Nuggets thing because I'm I'm actually a Sacramento Kings fan, and uh, I forgot, right? Yeah, that uh, one playoff game, one playoff game, and that'll keep me warm for the next 25 years. <laughs> They're always like what at nine? <laughs> the Kings uh, nine would be. Probably the best season we've had in years. Oh, Asia, hit the rim. You're 17 feet from it, man. You're an NBA sharpshooter. You airballed it. We don't talk about that. When we talk about chokes, I feel like that okay. we we hear too much about <laughs> Scott Norwood and and barely a mention about Peja. But that may be, given the stakes there, that may be the the biggest choke. What's a bigger choke than that one? Well, it's Even been, their sharpshooter. It has been it's been totally forgotten. Because uh, they, they think it ended on game. Most people think it was game six, and then that's it. And we go back home to Sacramento to you know probably the the most rabid crowd of all time with the cowbells and all that. Yeah, and I think they shot probably like two for thirty one from three in that game, and still made it to overtime and lost. Yeah, outrageous. Crazy. 
crazy. I'm trying to think of what so was a Vanderjack with a, a makeable field goal uh, hitting somebody in a luxury box <laughs> yeah. about the 20 yard line. Like what? What the hell just happened to you, man? I guess uh, that would be up there. Yeah, probably somewhere. Billy Cundiff. Cundiff, yep. That one, yeah, because of the Lee Evans drop, that one kind of gets forgotten a little bit. Or maybe Lee Evans. Maybe that was the big joke. Yeah, that was sad. I felt sad for him because he wanted to celebrate so badly. All you have to do is just do this <laughs> instead of like, uh, Yeah, that's basically – For the Mike Renfro remark you made earlier. I, I forgot that's to fair. score you for that. That was, that was <laughs> disgraceful to do that to a guest on your program. To it won't happen again. Assault me like that. It was not nice. Well, yeah, I'm sorry about that. we're going to get out of here. And I think uh, I need your official prediction for this Broncos Steelers game. I gave it to you five to three Pittsburgh Steelers, five to three Steelers win. Do I guess like I haven't watched enough of the Steelers. Are they just choosing not to try and run frequently or is it more of an issue they can't run? Because the Broncos have the reverse where they run really well. And then when they need to keep running, they don't. Um, they, uh, the best um, that they've run the ball was in Green Bay this past week, which is saying something because Kenny Clark the week before, as much as you go chapter to chapter, like, well, Kenny Clark was dominant the week before, so they should not be able to run with him in the middle there this week, but they did. So maybe that's a ray of sunshine um, for them. But I mean, for the most part, it, it's funny because you know, like Roethlisberger stinks and they can't run the ball. And Nadia, it's like Roethlisberger's at one end of his career. Nadia Harris is at the start of his. And the the thing that they have in common is, I mean, like this must stop or else they're going to be broken in half because the offensive line can't block anybody. Um, I bet you they try a little bit more this, this week, 16 rushes this past week. Um, but for what it for what it's worth, Najee Harris is getting the holy crap kicked out of him. That's the oh, way Tomlin does things. He did it with Levy and Bell, James Conner, and everybody else. Like they, he is not sort of like running back by committee. He's not. He's not that guy. He just runs him into the ground. So I, but Najee Harris looks good so far. So I would. I do think, with all the focus on Roethlisberger costing them games and everything else, they'll do everything they possibly can. Unless you guys get up a couple scores, I think they're just going to keep trying to feed Najee. Well, that'll be tough against the Broncos' defense, but 5-3, to three, book it. There you have it. Cool. Yeah. That'll end it. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and it has a Week 5 offer for every football fan you need to jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either of their teams scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, see? So I'd say this is a no-brainer. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. They're the bee's knees. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win, see? DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your coins whenever you want. That's cash, I mean. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Gotta be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.